Hello, this is Fully Living Podcast, um, narcissism and uh, waging the war on narcissism and fighting for the soul of those who have narcissism and those who don't but are affected by narcissism. Um, I am a co-host, Amber Fuller, and I'm here with my co-host, Brody, my son, and we have a special guest, um, uh, Leanne. Who, I don't know, Leanne, you might want to tell us about yourself. I am a therapist and I live in North Carolina. Um, I have dealt with trauma for about 20 years now in my practice. And more recently, in the last two or three years, I have been working with people affected by narcissism, mostly the folks that are living with narcissists and um, helping them recover from trauma. I also have um, bonded with the Fullers a bit because I also have lived experience with it as well. Um, It's something that I lived with for uh, 18 to 20 years. And I also have children. And so we were going to talk today a little bit about how uh, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn shows up in kids and adults that have been in narcissistic abuse. Mm-hmm. And I'm really curious about this topic because it's not one that I would have ever investigated right. on my own. So by when you said it, I was like, that's it. That's the one. Mm-hmm. I, I do have yes. a question. I'm closer. <clears throat> do you feel that, uh, your knowledge of uh, narcissism in families helped you with your own scenario? Um, yes, but the interesting thing about how my situation played out is I didn't really know about narcissism prior to, even though I was a trauma recovery specialist, I did not really know about narcissism until I realized I was living with it as well. And so I started investigating and figuring out that, oh, I've been living with this for two decades, didn't realize it. How much have I missed with clients? Like there was a whole shame thing that went on with that. How much have I missed with clients? What do I do about my own life? How do I help my children You know, navigate this? Because it's not like when you have a narcissist parent the kid can leave, like the spouse can leave, but the kid can't leave. And so I've just been trying to find out as much as I can about it uh, from a trauma-informed perspective so that I can help clients that have been affected about it, by it all these years and also help my own family navigate it. Hmm. I, I think we should start getting into this topic. Do you? Uh-huh. That's okay. a good question, though. <laughs> what do you think about the topic? What when you hear um, narcissism and uh, fight, flight, fawn, or freeze, and how it shows up in children or adults of people who have lived with narcissists? What does that make you think of? <clears throat> hmm. Man. Uh, 
And it might not make you think of anything yet. I would say that in in like in children, when you have children, you want your children to become like a better yes. better than what you were. And it's and when when they grow up, when your kids grow up in a household with narcissism, they don't know what the best is because they haven't seen it. Yeah. They they don't know what would even love may be because they they never experienced it. Because it, it's it's your household that creates who you become. Uh but that that does mostly depend on age. Like when like once you're like once you're past 18, you got, you make your own life, but when you when you're still living with your parents, what do you do when you have a parent that is loving and one that is not? Or does not outwardly express that they love you? Can you say it again for me? Well, the last time that you and I had a podcast, you said the same thing. And it's a little bit unclear because it makes it seem as though you were raised in a house where you received no love at all from a parent. Mm. But you did. Yeah. I am not a narcissist. Yeah. I, sh- I, I would... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're fine. I, I, I would say that... I lost it. Uh, so when you... Sometimes, even, even when you do have a loving parent, like in, in a family, you, you still have one other loving parent, it since you haven't seen what it like what the true the true the truth is it's sometimes even hard to believe in the other parent to believe that what they're saying is true. that's a good point yeah because it's interesting to believe that that that's speaking that's speaking that that's speaking mm-hmm. from my point of view mm-hmm. as a child i think mm-hmm. yeah because you that. don't and I've mm-hmm. experienced. It. I think if I were to invite my my kids in, they would say it's the good. same. Though they would say that it was hard when we were in the same household to trust either one of us because it was just a lot of chaos and a lot of bad modeling, like mm-hmm. by me and by him, because I could not navigate it. There's no way to navigate it without being. In- yeah, our role in it is yeah staying in like. It. And that's what, I was, that's what I was trying to say. And then, like, about about your family. Like, if you're feeling confused, I got an idea about how to ask same question that Amber asked before. But, like, if you're feeling confused as to what's going on in your household, it's going to cause stress and, like, any kind of stress. And you're feeling, I think kids are feeling unsafe and they're feeling, especially in your position, you're the oldest like, I've got to take control. I've got to do something about this. What kind of ways did that produce, like, a fight response in you? Did you ever feel like you wanted, like, did you ever feel like um, a flash of anger, like adrenaline rush when stuff was going on in the home and, like, an urge to fight? Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of the time. Mm. Mo- mostly every time. 
it was like my thoughts my thoughts were like uh you know like get in there like like just 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 like mm-hmm. punch the truth into him show him like th- that this yeah. isn't right and and the wor- the worst thing was is that he mm-hmm. knows that it wasn't right and that was the most confusing part to me is that if you know that it's right mm-hmm. why do you still do it you felt like a sense of urgency, like kind of hyped in a way, like in your body, you feel hyped. Like I've got to make him see it's my job to make him see kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like, and I think that's, you've said to me too, before you've said to your dad, actually before dad, no offense, but there's several times where I wanted to punch you in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I would say that, from that that caused or that that made me a good protect a mm-hmm. good protector or that caused me to over to protect about like mm-hmm. to protect my mom yeah but that's not that's not my job that's right her job yeah. is to protect me that's right so like that stress response did kind of bring about some good in you in a way like it could be perceived as good like oh, now I have this protective nature about me. But then you're starting to see now, like, yeah. that wasn't my job, but that was kind of the job that I rose to and tried to fulfill in some ways. And that that's, that's what I'm most thankful for about the, the entire relationship that they had is because mm-hmm. I became stronger and I learned lessons at a very young age that would that will cre- become just ignored you. That will make me become yeah. a better man in the future. Because since I have since I have, since I have learned those at a young age, I know how to treat somebody, and I know the difference mm-hmm. between right and wrong. And you learned you learned a lot about what manipulation looks like and how you don't want to do that. Like I've I've. I've even I've even been scared about becoming my dad in the future, but that's but yeah. Uh, when I was talking to you, you were like, "Well, you know that you don't want to become like your dad, and that's how you're not going to yeah. become like your dad." It protects you against because I know what's I know what's right and wrong. And I, I, and if, if, and if I ever did do something like that, I'd be, mm-hmm. I'd be so convicted, mm-hmm. and I, I'd just be like, I, I'd look at myself and I, I'd be so like disappointed in myself because I, I'd, I'd become the one thing that I swore mm-hmm. I never wanted to be. Yeah, it's like that piece of conviction. It's like that piece of conviction is missing from the mind of mm-hmm. a narcissist. Yeah, they don't have like a. Something a stop sign for themselves like stop you've gone too far mm-hmm. they don't stop yeah they don't stop until they get they and, which is why dr hawkins which is where uh just for like listeners sake that's how we met was mm-hmm. through dr hawkins that's why he teaches these men in the core boundaries and their boundaries that narcissists are supposed to create for themselves, where they say, I won't go mm-hmm. past this line yeah. with other people. That 
that was the topic that that Dylan and ours relationship though started deteriorating because he took that as oh I get to create boundaries yeah. for myself. Yeah. It's very interesting. Well, uh, it was not a, it's not about fight flight fauna freeze. But if 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 the narcissistic one is the one making the boundaries, nothing's ever gonna get done. Then no then there's no boundary because then that's just another excuse for him to hurt. Well, Dr. Hawkins tries to teach them like, here is what a normal boundary is. You don't do this. You don't do that. This is what healthy looks like. Mm -hmm. But when you're really in narcissism and you don't want to change, you don't hear that or care. I know, like when I was listening to one of y'all's podcasts before the the one a couple times ago. I don't think I heard the last one, but the one a couple times ago, you guys were. Oh, okay, that's we're fine. Eat dinner. You guys were discussing. Um, it had gotten to the point where you both felt suicidal and didn't know that the other one felt the same way, and I really related to that when I was listening to it mm -hmm. because I got to the same point where it wasn't that I wanted to die; I just didn't want to live this life anymore and that's a flea response i did not want to live this life anymore couldn't figure out how to get out of it and how to escape it um and so i was in that flea and i think a lot of times suicidal ideation comes from just wanting to flee like you can't get out you're trapped and then your mind starts presenting this option well what if i just killed myself or what if i just die what if what if a car ran over me, you know, things like that. And that's like, you know, probably the most serious flea response that you can get yourself in. There's probably more minor ones too. Like Brody, did you ever feel like running away or like trying to find a different family or you know, stuff like that? I think you escaped a lot through video games. I think you escaped mm -hmm. a lot through video yeah. games. That can look yeah. like that and kids like pouring yourself into something that takes you out of here. And that's that's that that's the bad thing. People, I mean children, and sometimes even adults will will try to escape their life. And something that they do to escape it can either be good mm -hmm. or it can be bad. Yeah. Like getting into drugs. That's an example of a too. There's mm -hmm. kids that will do that or kind of get into bad relationships too. Like I've seen kids do that. Like kind of pour themselves. Mm -hmm. Or flight by flight by pouring mm -hmm. yourself into girls, which you, I think you found yourself doing last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did do that a lot. And you decided I'm done with this. Yeah. There shouldn't be that much pressure yeah. on a child. There should never be that much pressure on a yeah. child mm -hmm. to think that I have to deal with my feelings because you're not helping mm -hmm. me through them. That I can't show you my feelings because then you're going to use mm -hmm. it on me. Mm -hmm. Oh, and that leads to fawn. I can't show my feelings because you're going to use them against yeah. me. Like what kind of things? That's like what, what kind I'm of thinking. things do we do? Like 
we as adults in relationships like that, what kind of things did you do to try to like stay under the radar and not bring any attention to yourself? Don't look at me. I don't know. Yes, she was. It's for both of us. What did you do to stay out of your out of your dad's way? Mm. What did you do to stay out of the wrath of narcissism, like the tornado of narcissism, the tornado of reactivity? Which is a good. It's question. like you're standing there, mm-hmm. like a deer in the woods, and he's raging, but you're just standing there, like. Like, that's your posture. Your posture is, like, kind of blank. It kind of looks like freeze in some ways, but you're actually just trying to stay out of the radar. It, it kind of... Like, well, the, the, the image that came into my head was... <clears throat> sorry. Uh, a deer staring at your... Mm-hmm. Staring at headlights from a mile away. The deer knows that the car is going to come. Right. <clears throat> but it doesn't move. Mm-hmm. It is... It is, it is too focused on the headlights that it doesn't see the it doesn't mm-hmm. see the full car, but he, it yeah. knows that something's coming. But it can't move. It's just kind of frozen, yeah. but kind of in a way going. Hopefully, I'll see me. It's like, Hopefully, it's like the car will move. You know, like it's kind of. And and that's that's mm. the roller coaster. Mm. That that you think it's going to be different. You think mm. it's not going to be a car. Or that maybe the, the car will turn around. Yeah. Maybe the car will stop right before. That's a good point. So fawning can be wishful thinking. Maybe, maybe he's just in a bad mood. Maybe this episode won't last as long. Maybe. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to, it's like trying to, trying to make an excuse for why the crack in the wall mm-hmm. isn't so bad. It's like, I heard somebody say this week, it was an adult who had been in a relationship with a narcissist spouse. She had left him, but she said um, he would come at her and he'd be raging. He'd never touch her, but he'd come at her and he'd be raging and she'd feel all this fear on the inside, but on the outside, she was calm and normal. And she was trying to make sure she was de-escalating him. But on the inside, she was very afraid that this time she was going to be hurt. So I think kids do that probably quite a bit. I know it was looking like that for me, too. Like, maybe I can calm him down. Maybe I can cheer him up. Maybe I can distract him. And then on the inside, you're feeling like Mm -hmm. your pits are sweating. (laughs) You know, like you're, you're, you're feeling like you need to run. You need to fight, but you're on the outside looking like there's nothing wrong when there's a car coming at you, just like the deer that you're talking about. Yeah, I know for me, it showed up in like healthy relationships. There's compromise. And I would already compromise in my mind when going to Dylan with a situation whether it be a, con- a confrontation or something that I wanted or something that I needed, I would already compromise. So I would already be showing up with a compromise 
and then mm-hmm. I would have to compromise more because mm-hmm. I was already compromising or in an effort to mm-hmm. keep the peace, keep the calm. That's a good example of fawn because you're already going in fawning and then you fawn further once you get there, huh? And then yeah. you fawn afterwards because you're upset, but you're like, no, it's fine. Everything's fine. You just take the bullet. Yeah. Yeah, you just take the bullet or you take the blame. I've seen it show up in my current relationship. Um, and thankfully, he's very gracious and patient and willing to allow that space to heal. But it feels for me like I am protecting myself by not stating things that mm-hmm. could cause conflict. Mm-hmm. So I am fawning because I mm-hmm. am so used to fawning. Like, I, I don't want to... I really don't want to create waves. I don't want to create tension. I don't want to, I don't want to bring wants and concerns and needs. Mm-hmm. I do bring them at some point and he's right there to say to me, mm-hmm. why are you doing this? This yeah. isn't healthy. Like you need to work on this part of you, but it is affecting mm-hmm. you. It's like your go-to and you don't even realize that that's what you do, huh? That's what narcissists do to you. That's what having a narcissist for 15 years Mm -hmm. do to you. Because my assumption is that I'm going to be yelled at or I'm going to be manipulated or I'm going to be gaslit or I'm going to be blame-shifted or powered over or scapegoated or deflection or mm-hmm. anger or that my words mm-hmm. would be used against me. Like I am afraid of all of those passively violent right. things that happen when you bring a mm-hmm. con- somebody. Because you were always assuming the worst. No, because the worst was always happening to me. And now what I am doing is I am assuming that the worst is going to happen mm-hmm. to me, so I am fawning. Because you don't know. I am assuming that the car is going to hit me. And then, would you guys say, like, we hadn't done freeze yet, but would you say when you're in a relationship with a narcissist as a spouse or as a kid, you probably, I know I probably fawned and froze the most. Like, those are probably the main two that I was doing. Because if I wasn't going to make the decision to leave, then the obvious choice is to fawn or freeze. And then the consequence for that is that you keep allowing them to take more and more control and more ground as Mm -hmm. you fawn and freeze. What is the difference between fawn and freeze? Let's work on freeze then. So freezing, (laughs) freezing, I think depression oftentimes is freezing. It's like a numbness. Like not like a nub women. What did you say? I missed that. Like not not having a motivation to want to change it. Not wanting yeah, to do like anything. Learned helplessness. Like you're just nah. Doesn't matter what I say or do. It's like dissociation too. Doesn't matter what I say or do. I don't have any power anyway, so I'm just not gonna do anything. 
dissociation. I think that's what it looked like for me to freeze. It's like, I'm not going to have this discussion with him anymore. I'm not going to even address this in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And then it gets really far gone where it's just depression and just numbness. And I feel like a robot. Just feel like a robot, like just going through the motions of life. Mm -hmm. That's definitely how it was mm -hmm. for me at the end. It was to a point where it was like, uh, mm -hmm. there's no point. Like it was so predictable. Everything became so predictable that it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like there's, there's no it's like your emotions there. aren't there anymore. They're just not even, you don't, you don't want to fight. You don't want to run away. You don't want to make peace. You don't want to make war. You don't have the energy. Which is like the definition of depression. Of what? In, in a way, in a way that. Not having energy. Not, not having motivation. Motivation, yeah. And I know, I know, because mm -hmm. I suffer with that. Mm -hmm. Not ha like, like covertly being depressed mm -hmm. and not knowing it. And and that caused me to to not have a motivation. Does it show up in schoolwork, schoolwork but or relationships, that sort mm -hmm. of thing? Schoolwork is exactly where it shows up. Yeah. Is that seriously? Is it that common? Well, she just said it. She works with kids. Uh, yeah, it's not common. Yeah. And then, like, you know, you got teachers and parents saying, you're lazy or you're this or you're that. And what if it's freeze? What if it's actually a kid freezing because they're in a toxic, abusive relationship? Parent. Mm -hmm. But I'm not in an abusive relationship anymore. But this is not a therapy. <laughs> We're here to, to therapy the ones that get yeah, other people in therapy that need the most. But I wonder, I wonder why it does still show up for you because now you're in a safe place. You see your dad just enough so that problems don't arise and so that you can have a good time with him and you don't have to experience what you are going through so they're seeing their dad every other weekend it, you know that's it's, it it's, it's every other weekend it's probably from being worried that what happened yeah happened. I like what your mom was saying too about the relationship now like she doesn't have reason at all but she's being afraid of being expected. Mm hmm Or no, not the unexpected, but mm -hmm. being afraid of the unknown. Mm hmm Which is funny. Like looking off into the shadows and not or it's not being able to see what's that or looking off in the tunnel. You don't know what's gonna come at you. Is it is that fleeing? Well you're not trying to escape anything. Well yeah, would well, that be like fleeing? Even though you're not trying to, it's like you're away, you're sitting there and you're frozen though. Like your feeling state is frozen. 
Mm, like, I mean, before I worked with kids that had narcissist parents, I worked with adopted kids, and they had tons of trauma and tons of times where they were left and abandoned. And they have trouble with school, too. Like, it's if there's any stress of any kind, it's like their bodies have learned to do the freezing thing or whatever the preferred um, stress response is that they typically do. And so they can be checked out at school in their head, like sitting there in their seat, but checked out in their head and their brain's just not present. It's somewhere else. Even though they're not like, they're not sitting there being abused at school necessarily, or they're not necessarily, um, you know, remembering the abuse, but their feeling state can sometimes get to freeze and it goes on for days and days at a time. And then, you know, if you, if you get behind in math, if you freeze in your head and you're in math class and that happens for two or three days and then it kind of takes over your life for a bit, right? Until you move on to a new unit. Mm -hmm. And then you never really fully learned that unit, which makes me think of the saying that I would say so many times is that I feel like I have thousands of unclosed books. The land of thousands of unclosed the lands of thousands mm-hmm. of unclosed books. We're moving on to a, un- a new unit without ever mm-hmm. closing the last book. Yeah. I would say freeze mostly looks like you're you're sitting there, you're in a situation, but you have no feeling about it. You can't even be stressed about it anymore. You're just there, taking up space. Mm-hmm. Not really feeling a sense of urgency about anything. My internet just much pain. What? Oh, wow. This is exactly how I feel. Hmm. Waiting for the shoe to drop. Hmm. I think that there are probably steps that parents can take in order to help children feel more secure and help them not freeze. Mm-hmm. Do you know what they are? I mean, I can think of them, but you you do this well, for a living. What I do usually with kids so that are you. freezing is work with them individually on how to recognize that that response is coming or is there and how like some steps that they can take to unfreeze their emotions. And we usually do it kind of gradually because it's like their body needs to understand that they can sit in a feeling and not check out and it's still going to be safe. Their body needs to know that they have the skills to tolerate a negative feeling or a positive feeling. Like sometimes I do work with kids and adults like, You can sit in a positive feeling and experience that silly feeling of foreboding that we all get with trauma. (laughs) It's like anytime something's going well, we have a feeling of foreboding that almost takes away the positive experience every time or interferes with it. But you can sit in a positive feeling or a negative feeling for just a little bit 
and it's safe. So like when I teach a kid how to do that or an adult, then we can do their trauma work. So then I usually end up, okay, now we can do some EMDR and work on that trauma response directly. I, yeah, it reminds me of EMDR and the resourcing beginning of it where can you handle or tolerate positive mm-hmm. feelings? Mm-hmm. I know that in uh, in my case, or in in other people's, it it got to the point where nothing, like every day, I would wake up, and it would be like it would be blank. Mm-hmm. My feelings would just be nothing there'd be nothing there it would just be like you're just a a body mm-hmm. just freeze like definitely you're walking but uh, you're walking but in your mind mm-hmm. you're still in bed mm-hmm. and i would say even now i it, it it's so much harder to feel mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. There's like an aftermath. Because I'm still behind. Yeah. I'm just there. There's like an aftermath. Yeah. Like a hangover. Because they they live Mm -hmm. here. And they only see him every other weekend. And they have a good time. They have not come back and reported he was Mm -hmm. this or he was that at all. Mm Mm-hmm. But you're still in this hangover period. And so am I. Mm-hmm. No, I'd say that. I, I would say that one of the big, one of the biggest things that has helped me through it the most would be trying to accept that that it's, it's okay. It's okay to feel these things, because mm-hmm. even when you, even when things are gonna hurt you, it doesn't mean you have to quit. Yeah. And I think the thing that hit that hit me the most is that every single time those feelings would come, you'd go blank, so you wouldn't feel. Anything. You'd go blank, and you wouldn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I didn't want, or at the time. I, I wanted anger. I wanted I wanted that that anger of my dad. Like it's a it's the thing that I thrived on. You protected yourself with it. And and that's the thing that, that corrupted me. Mm. Was thriving on that anger and making that that thing that empowers me. Mm-hmm. And like when you throw hate into the world you're gonna get hate back yeah hmm. you never got hate back though everybody loves Brody <laughs> everybody loves Brody but I may not show that that's that's what I may show you internally end up hating yourself which I have heard is the definition of depression internal hatred towards mm-hmm. oneself hatred mm-hmm. turned inward 
think that was an Adlerian. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Belief. Anger. Anger. Uh-huh. It was anger. Yeah. Inward. So you didn't see much acting out of his anger, but it, it turned inward. That's a good point with fight, too. Like, you can start fighting yourself. It might not like look like aggression toward mm-hmm. other people. It might start looking like aggression toward yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, self-harm or yeah. even just, like, sabotaging yourself. Like, doing things to... Yeah, or negative, negative thoughts mm-hmm. about yourself. Yeah. I feel that right now, if I was watching... I'd probably almost be asleep. I think we should start talking about. Uh, a You're fine. <laughs> no, I'm saying that. Well, I'm also thinking. I'm thinking in a child's perspective. So uh, children don't listen to this. <laughs> Adults yeah. do. I know this one. I would already be asleep. It's very educational. <laughs> and the weirdest thing is, that I'm a child. And I can talk about this. Yes. And that's, I wouldn't say that's a good thing. But you're so deep. Like, I think you would be deep and talk about other things if you hadn't been through this. Like, you would be just deep talking about something else. But But because you went through this, you can talk about it in a deep way. But I can have the same conversation that a 30-year-old man would talk to his his friend. That's true. Mm Mm-hmm. I always describe Brody as my 46-year-old, 13-year-old. Yeah, I've, I've written down in notebooks Brody quotes, like, and went back over them and thought about it. <laughs> yes. Really? <laughs> that's good. I don't think... I don't know that that's necessarily from your upbringing with narcissism. I think that that could be your your upbringing with severe dyslexia because that is the upside to severe dyslexia is you have to go date deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper in order to learn. Yeah. So you're able to have very deep conversations with people because you have to dig deeper in order to get to what you need. I would but. say it's it's more fighting until you understand. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting too. I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that you're able to have these kinds of conversations. Because now I can help yeah. others. I can help yeah. other kids. Because there's so many kids are in this same type of situation. They just don't talk about it very much. And they don't know what to call it. I mean, they're afraid to talk about it with their parents because they don't know what their, their narcissistic parent is going to think about it. They're probably going to use it against them or hurt them, abuse yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And most kids don't have a parent that's a therapist married to mm-hmm. a narcissist. And in and in the society we have now, <clears throat> most adults or most families only have one parent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably for this reason, because it seems like there's so many mm-hmm. out there. There really does. So I have a question for Brody. When I know that when I was in it and I wonder about with Amber too, sometimes we would get, I would get so swept up in the confusion and chaos of trying to protect my kids 
that I could not see what was actually going on with them. So I think it's interesting, like you guys are now debriefing after the fact, um, like what she was going through, mm-hmm. what you were going through at the time. But one of the things that I experienced a lot of, I think, was just shame that I didn't know what was going on and that I could not protect my kids. And it just felt very chaotic. But like, what was your experience watching your mom go through that at the time? Watching her go through that. Yeah. Like she's trying her best. Like, you know, she's trying her best, but sometimes she's freezing and she's not able to do the things. Like I'm sure at times you couldn't get out of bed and do things or like you couldn't have a. Well, and I have a spinal cord. That too. Yeah. That on top of it. Like, like there's so many times I know where I was just frozen and not doing anything about the abuse. And I'd feel shame about it, but I had no energy because I was frozen, you know? And then, I don't know. So as a child watching that, how did, how did you feel? Well, she asked me a question. Yeah, as a child watching your mom go through what she went through. I can't remember if you asked how, did, how it made him feel or what it did. Yeah. Like, what was your... What, what were the things that you were thinking? Again, what was your experience? What was your experience? Mm-hmm. How, wait, how did it make me feel? What was your experience? My experience. Hard. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's like... It's, it's like... It's like there's a war happening. You know that both sides are trying their best, mm-hmm. and and you know which side is is right and which side is wrong. But these people have weapons, but you don't. Mm-hmm. You're just some person watching from the sidelines, watching this war happen. And and while you're watching it happen there's rubble that starts coming towards you and that rubble can represent like uh, the things that come after oh there sorry the things that come after the like the things that the darkness that comes mm-hmm. and the breaking of of boundaries being torn open and and losing yourself in that entire thing and you always have the thoughts of well if I went out there and fought in that battle maybe maybe that boundary would have never broke maybe maybe that maybe that feeling never would have happened regret yeah it's like you it's like you're watching a brutal fight going on but you can't do anything about it. You don't have the power to do anything about it. But then you feel regret for not doing anything about it once it's over. Mm. 
No. Yeah. And then, oh, can you? you I have another. I have another question, but I want to go back to yours because you were probably unpacking that a little more. Well, when you look at that now, can you see honestly that it wasn't your battle to fight? Yes. Now. Now looking looking at the the remnants of what the war, what the the war happened i see that it was i that was never my war to be a part of mm-hmm. i'm sorry mm-hmm. i really like analogies good at metaphors yeah. <laughs> i do too most mm-hmm. therapists like metaphors <laughs> It's a very easy way mm-hmm. to relate to people. Mm-hmm. So, if yeah, looking, it, it's like it's like standing where I am now. It's like it's like standing in a spot of where you know a war happened, but now it's your choice to replant and to regrow and repopulate. And what I mean by that is is mm-hmm. rebuild yourself mm-hmm. and re and rebuild mm-hmm. your boundaries. And and rebuild mm-hmm. you. That was my question too. As you watch your mom do that for your family, as you watch her rebuild herself, heal. You guys have space to heal and have peace and security in your home. Like, what do you see differently about your mom now than you did before? Mm-hmm. And I guess the home in general, like, I wonder what the home feels like in general compared to what it did before. I'd say that that's a good question. I'm definitely looking back at the the events now that she is so much happier. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I can. The emotion is so thick that I can good. feel it. I like that. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm blanking on what you said before. Uh, what do you notice about your mom that's different since you've been out of the situation? And what do you notice that's different about your home? I would say what's different about the home is is the... Right when my, right when my father left, I felt this... When I kicked him out, when I left, he did not leave. I left. Thank you very much. <laughs> mm-hmm. Got your own place. Started over, huh? <laughs> When my mom left. I have to say that because that was very hard. That was the hardest thing for me to do. And Dr. Hawkins and Leanne and my own therapist told me over and over again, you need to leave. You need to leave. You need to leave. And I would Mm -hmm. not leave. Mm -hmm. And they were right. 
but I couldn't see it because mm-hmm. I was in muddy water and my soul fought for me. My soul got to a point where mm-hmm. it started fighting for me mm-hmm. and I left. So it is really important to point out that no, your dad did not leave. Your father did not leave. I left mm-hmm. like a warrior. So what's different about your mom? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was just about to say it. Uh, the difference is this 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 weight. Like this weight that was never really there was just mm-hmm. lifted. You didn't know and it was there until it was gone. I don't mean to, I don't mm-hmm. mean to bring religion into this. But you can bring religion into it. You can bring anything you want into it. Leaving really made space for the yes. Mm-hmm. I noticed that too. It really it it opened by leaving. We opened up the curtains to the room that needed the light, and that's mm-hmm. where the lie was. The lie was in the was in religion and the church saying you don't yeah. leave people. Emotional abuse is something right. you put up with. You put up mm-hmm. and you deal with it. And so that yeah. gets in the way of actually, that's the secondary yeah. abuse too. And that gets in the way of actually leaving and experiencing the door open that mm-hmm. God asked for you. Because you believe if I leave, I'm not going to be blessed. If I leave, I'm sinning. If I leave, I'm cutting off my Christian card or something. I don't know. But it's, it's, well, the church is telling the church is telling me to stay. The church is telling me yeah. to love, to love, mm-hmm. just love, just mm-hmm. ignore it and just love. Take it until the other person changes. Yeah, that's a good yes. Take mm-hmm. it until the other person changes. That's yeah. what I say. And coincidentally, I was at the same church for mm-hmm. sixteen years. Yeah, but you noticed that there was a take a it. lightness in the home light in the home there was space for jesus to move you noticed your mother had tangible joy and love that you didn't feel before that's what you've been noticing and i mean i want your audience to know that's what you can have you're not you leave mm-hmm. you're leaving the bad evil stuff behind is what you're leaving and you're taking your good that you already had in you and you're putting it into a new home with your kids and you're going to reestablish with your strengths there. And yes, you have to heal. You have to heal. And it, there's a lot of darkness and healing, but there's more light that can, can be exposed when there's not darkness constantly in your home. And I remember meeting with you and you talking about how you left thinking, well, that's Mm -hmm. not me. Mm -hmm. I'll stay. I Uh can make this work. I can stay. I can make this work. And it doesn't work that way. Like you're in muddy, you're, you're, you're in muddy waters. Like you can't see what other Mm -hmm. people are seeing. So for me, it's important for people to know, like, you think you can make it work, 
but if the other person isn't actively working on changing, it's mm -hmm. not going to work. And even if they are actively working, working on changing, mm -hmm. how active are they? And also you're still seeing things from yeah. muddy waters. So separating is probably a good idea regardless. Yeah. But I think a lot of people end up in my mindset, people who are um, seeing therapists who practice secondary abuse or people who are in a church that practices secondary abuse, they end up staying and they stay in that muddy water and they mm -hmm. can't see straight. And you're miss when you stay, you're so, missing out on your calling. Like I could not live out my calling the way I do now when I was there because it was constant war. And I'm sure like Brody, Brody can't yep. live out his calling, grow, develop like he needs to, to prepare for his calling in the future. And whatever his ministry is now, it's hard to fully invest in that and to be part of that if you're constantly in war. You can eat right here. Mm -hmm. I'm eating right here. Okay. Yeah, you do have to... And you do, it. it is more powerful to, it's more powerful to be out of it and uh, you're more powerful mm -hmm. out of it. We, when we moved into this home, um, so we moved here on April 7th and of 2022, no, mm -hmm. 2023. We were separated longer than that, but we moved into this home on April 7th, mm -hmm. 2023. And we named it Cedar Rose Sanctuary because we we're having a home, like a welcoming, mm -hmm. uh, an open house. We live in the woods. We live in a, we live in eight acres of Ooh, cedar nice. trees. And my middle name is Rose. So uh -huh. It's just kind of fun. And for me, this house was a gift from the Lord. Um, it is the house that mm -hmm. I have always wanted. Two years ago, when we were trying to pay off our debt, we found a house like this, but we were trying so hard to pay off our debt that we couldn't buy the house. And I thought we are never going to find a house mm -hmm. like this again, because it was yeah. so unique and so different. And then I found mm -hmm. the house like this and our offer was accepted and it was important to me that this house yes. be a sanctuary. So with that, I created boundaries and I wrote those boundaries down and I mm -hmm. gave them to Dylan. And I said, these things don't happen yes. in my home. So there has never, there has never been that mm -hmm. in my home. There has never been that, that arguing or mm -hmm. that manipulation or that deception. Well, that's not true. How, how is that not true? You guys argue. Not really. We didn't. When an argument would start to ensue, I would say, mm -hmm. "There's a door. Here. Yeah. this is my house. Mm -hmm. There's, there's yep. because this is my place of peace, and this is my child. Th this mm -hmm. is my place of peace for my children. So it is like it hasn't been tarnished mm -hmm. or tainted with mm -hmm. abuse of any kind. And it's as both parents' job to." make a sanctuary for their kids but he wouldn't do that so now you're doing that you made a safe sanctuary for you and your children that's both parents job but he wasn't doing that and so now you're doing it 
I'm also trying to make you feel safe eating. <laughs> okay, eat your dinner. No, I just. <laughs> and I, when I moved out, I moved with three kids into a two-bedroom apartment. <laughs> that's where I moved. But that's where I escaped. I'm not even going to say moved. I escaped. And we mm -hmm. made that our sanctuary. And before I moved in there, God mm -hmm. brought this lady to me. I mean, it was just like totally a God move. I was looking at the apartment. It was a, the model apartment. And this lady had been through what we'd been through. And she's an older lady, probably, you know, she's probably late 50s, early 60s. And she goes, Leanne, what I want you to do is walk around this apartment. And I want you to imagine, imagine creating a new life for your kids. A brand new life. She's like, I want you to walk into the kitchen and picture yourself baking holiday cookies how the how the flow would go when you come in from work in the afternoon where are you gonna the model mm -hmm. landlord lady she was the model landlord yeah. lady is telling you yes to do a therapy and i because i was feeling really depressed that i was leaving my you know my nice marital home and i was moving into a two-bedroom apartment with three children i was like i have to do it and i'm gonna do it but this really stinks and she was telling me this stuff and I started getting hope. I was like, yes, yes. I won't live here forever, but while I live here, we're going to make it a home, even though it's an apartment and it's going to be even more of a home than the home I'm leaving. And it did. We lived there for four years while I got my, my footing again financially. Cause I didn't, I had to fight for financial footing big time and still do, but only take one to converge the whole army. Mm -hmm. That's a quote. I don't There's know another Brody quote. Like, it, right it only takes one to convert the whole army. What do you mean? That it only it only takes one person for mm -hmm. an uprising. Mm. For a hope. Because mm -hmm. even even a spark mm -hmm. is still something. Like Amber said, her soul became a warrior. When, 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 yeah, yeah. When, when you say something or when you think what you're saying, it becomes existence. Yep. It is written in stone. Yep. Your act, your words are powerful. Mm hmm. And that's why I say it only takes one to, to converge the whole army. Mm -hmm. Because right after one, there's another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then there's another. And then you have the whole army. And then you notice change in your home. Mm -hmm. You start to feel a lightness. People are drawn to it. You start. Like, your kids want to come with you. Like, when you yeah. start doing hope, your kids want to come with you. People are drawn to likeness. Yeah. To similarity. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember how you were dating that abusive girl? Oh yeah. And you were doing that while I was with your dad. And you're able to look back at it now, and you're like, "What the heck was I doing?" Mm -hmm. It's like you're you. 
feel lightness and you've seen the other side and now that's what you go after and you don't go after mm -hmm. it in girls you just go after it in whatever God brings you mm. or maybe you go after it in girls and you just don't let me know but <laughs> 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 it's a huge difference it's, it's, it's a, such a good question because it's and you guys have only been there since April you, for me I asked yeah so we've been separated mm -hmm. longer um, but we were living in the yeah. same environment yeah. technically with one right. living in the basement and the other right. living upstairs and living in a different house has has made a huge it it took away all the fight flight fawn and freeze like it it's living, and it gives your nervous chance to and we're living in the go okay i'm safe i'm safe and it takes a while for your nervous system to go yeah you're safe like it takes a while yeah i'm curious in your experience how long would you say it usually because so like i'm thinking about this relationship mm -hmm. or with kids how long would you say it generally takes for that nervous system to start to feel like okay this is mm -hmm. safe i hear people say a year but i think it just depends on the person because like you still have these you know like these conflicts with post-separation abuse like for me there's post-separation abuse and for most people there is with the kids and with mm -hmm. there's not for us okay Just so you know, there's not for us yeah there's but. still a ton of that like it's five i'm five years out and i still experience that to a degree like i've got as many yeah. boundaries in place as i can but like i've learned now and it took it took over a year probably for me to get to the place where like he can do things to me or try to do things to me and my nervous system doesn't go and then I'm like in fight because that's about all I have now is fight but um like it took a while for me to like just kind of scan over an email and go hmm. it took a while but I think it just depends on how many times you can get in to like a stress response and calm it down quickly and shorten the period of time that you're in your fight or flight response or your mm -hmm. stress response. Like if you can start to shorten that mm -hmm. period of time, lengthen the time that you feel safe, I think it goes quicker. Yeah. It reminds me of like, Okay, so you're going to be a narcissist, but let's shorten the amount of, or let's lengthen the mm -hmm. amount of time that there is in between the times that you act narcissistic mm -hmm. or reactive. It kind of reminds me of that a little. Mm -hmm. like, the negative side of things, but it like, I'll, I'll give you a tangible example. Like, I, I one day got tired of being told I was a terrible parent and this, that, and the other thing over text. And so I said, I'm going to block him over text. Every one of my kids has a phone now. If something happens, they can text me. So I blocked him on the text. I didn't have to endure that type of abuse again. And now he has to send an email if he wants to send something verbally abusive. So now 
it doesn't just pop through my phone all the time. So it shortened the amount of time that I was in a stress response by doing that boundary. And I don't regret doing it. I won't open that back up again. And the boundary that you said, at first, he would walk into my home to get the kids and help them with their stuff. The very first time he came over and started screaming at me and put pointing his finger in my face, I said, you're out. This is my home. I didn't establish a whole new home with my own bills to have you come in here with that. Get out. And I, like mm-hmm. you're the I said, get out and don't ever step foot yeah. in here again unless I invite you. And he didn't. He hasn't been in since. He's been in once to pee in like five years. <laughs> But like those things, I think those boundaries that you're able to create start to shorten the amount of time that you're in a stress response because you have enforceable boundaries now. You can't enforce boundaries when they're still in your home all the time and when they're still in your phone all the time and when they're still in your finances all the time. Mm -hmm. In your life. Yeah, I've had to have people show me that too, that like, you really need this person mm-hmm. out of your life in order to fully heal. Because for a while there, I thought yeah. we could be friends. But it was the same. I mean, it was the same thing as mm-hmm. what I was doing before. Like, Then they're just a chaotic friend. <laughs> yeah. It's still mm-hmm. chaos in your life. Okay. Not- I can't you take can't. anymore. <laughs> no. I can't. Thank you for answering I'm go. answering the questions and stuff. That helps a lot, I think, to understand what it looks like for you. And I think for a lot of kids, it might look different. Like, I don't know, for some kids, it might look like tantrums or emotional meltdowns. You keep yourself together and present well. And so for you, it probably looked different than some other kids, but... It did. For Brody, it looked a lot like not creating Mm -hmm. waves. Um, It looked like um, uh, it looked like self Mm -hmm. self destruction. Like for a period of time there, I was Mm -hmm. worried about cutting. Um because there was not the freedom I think for you to feel anything outside of yourself so you would go along with presenting the facade that everything was fine things were fine I went along with presenting the, with going along with the facade that everything's fine things are fine he's admitting he's a narcissist so things are fine and you you started feeling that depression and you started feeling nothing at all. You felt lonely. Like you would break down on the couch. Remember when you would have those breakdowns? Mm-hmm. Well, you would. And then I would get you into therapy. That's how, I mean, you ended up meeting with Leanne because you had kind of a breakdown feeling fearful that you would end up like your father. So you, you are a very, you are very much so a like fawn and freeze 
sort mm-hmm. of kid. He's got fight in him, though. He's got a lot of fight in him. He just didn't have the power to do that. But there's going to be a day where yeah. you have the power to fight yourself. Like, and you you have the power now, but like you can fight now with boundaries. You can fight now mm-hmm. with just like a like a mental strength, really. Like, there's still ways to fight mm-hmm. even when you're young. You- Nothing can no longer shake mm-hmm. my house. Mm-hmm. The, the storm no longer can can make the house mm-hmm. rumble. And that's fight too. Mm-hmm. Like when I read those emails and I'm like, hmm, that's fight. When you got yourself out of the house, that was fight. That, that's, even, that's, even in, that's even in scripture. If, if you build your house on sand, your mm-hmm. house will crumble. Mm-hmm. But if you build it on stone and a hard rock. A firm foundation your, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Your house will mm-hmm. flourish. Yeah. Thank mm-hmm. God I got out. I wake up every morning and I am mm-hmm. so thankful. Like. Yes. One t- <laughs> When we moved over here to this place, we have a three bedroom place now and I finally got my own room. I was laying in my bed and I pulled up the covers and I'm just here in my bed alone. And I pulled up the covers and my youngest one came in and she caught me sitting there like grinning. I'm like grinning and giddy. She goes, what are you doing? I'm like, "Ah, I just love sleeping in this bed by myself, all by myself. It's all my own. Oh my, <laughs> this bed is so comfortable. <laughs> like she was like, she was like, I'm so proud of you. Like I'm so proud of you. <laughs> she's been real vocal about that too. Like she said, I'm so proud of you. You've really like rebuilt your life, and I'm so proud of you. And you're such a good example to me. And I'm like, oh yes, this is why I've done this. <laughs> yep role modeling what it looks like to leave abusive mm-hmm. situations. I have a la- I have a last question for you. Mm-hmm. Have your friends noticed a difference That's in a you? That's a good question. No. I wouldn't say so. I wonder if that's because you were going to school and you were School might have been your safe place. Well, I didn't like school. But your friend group. You have the same friends. So your friend group might have been your safe place. Yeah. You picked good friends, though. You're a good people Well, that's good. And that's from the whole relationship. Mm. It, it's like, even though it was only narcissism. Only? We don't <laughs> minimize narcissism. Even though it was narcissism. The, all of, nar- all of what narcissism underlines. Like, senses, in a way, were built off of that. Where it's immediately like, 
the way somebody will the way somebody will react to what you say can immediately strike like, I don't know the word for it, like, but it's like a... Trigger? Yeah, like a trigger. You get spotty like, suits? Uh, a stress response? Like a, a spotty suits. Mm -hmm. Oh. You have like, a heightened awareness of something uh, toxic. Mm-hmm. So you created a friend group that did not give you spidey senses? when you put it like that and it kind of just on childish but... no it doesn't coincidentally I've created a friend group for myself that I don't experience by these mm -hmm. senses with well, either now you're just saying that to relate to make me feel like it's not childish no it's mm -hmm. not childish man use the word it's like a heightened awareness okay, well that was your last question <laughs> as a co-host you can't just talk about <laughs> on the podcast well as the co-host to the host Another co-host. <laughs> We're both co-hosts. We did have such a good time. We went an hour and 15 minutes. I don't know how long you put it out. Um, it was on for. <laughs> did you say you Oh, no, I said... Um, no, I said we went. So we had such a good time. We went uh, an hour and 15 minutes. I'm not sure how long <laughs> you put it on for. <laughs> I didn't really have a time for it, but I, I have another question, <laughs> Brody, but it's not for you, but I want you to <sighs> ask it when you, when you were meeting with Brody. So I'm, I'm talking about the effectivity of therapy while meeting with a child with a narcissistic mm -hmm. parent. When you were meeting with Brody, did you notice changes oh, yeah. in him? He can I talk about the changes? <laughs> Why do you have to ask me? Because of HIPAA. She has to ask you because of HIPAA. Oh. So you I have to care. give her verbal permission to talk about those changes. I do not so, care. And I'll, and I'll be general. I'll be general. Like, I'm, I won't be too specific. But I think what I, the biggest difference I noticed was that he went from feeling like it was his responsibility to make changes in the home to it's not my responsibility and everything's going to be okay and he his his internal security built and it was built on him building up skills and resources and strengths in himself but also one of the biggest things about him was that he knew that Jesus was going to be a fortress for him and so he was not scared anymore mm -hmm. he stopped being scared he stopped feeling overly responsible because he put Jesus in the driver's seat and then was able to just lean back and say, I can cope with whatever happens and it's not my job to fix it. And that was the biggest change I think I saw in him and why I think that his symptoms decrease so much. Mm. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. Yeah. And he worked yeah. hard. Like Definitely. he didn't. He didn't. That was not therapy that just happened to him. He worked hard. Like he collaborated with me mm -hmm. to make those changes happen. And a lot of kids show up to therapy and they don't collaborate with their therapist. They're just like, "I'm here." <laughs> yeah. Or, or yeah. Or, or me. 
They avoid play games you know. with me. Don't say play with me. Well, play games mm-hmm. with me. I mean, that's what Geo did today. He played with his mm-hmm. therapist, but and sometimes I do. You were very sometimes motivated. kids do make a lot of progress through playing games because they can kind of go into they can go into something serious, come out, go in, come out. But Brody was like, I'm here to work. They can still say What do you do when you have people? Okay, thank you, co host. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Goodbye, Leanne. It was very Goodbye. Nice thank you. Thank you. It was nice to again. It was so it was good to see you again. Thank you. Okay, Bye bye. <laughs> when you have kids that don't put Jesus in the driver's seat, how do you this tough like i think that was the thing that probably made the biggest difference with him is that he was willing to do that and he did it on his own like i didn't ask him to he just did it on his own but i think it's tough because like and even for me and my walk out of this walk out of this into healing if i didn't feel like jesus had me i don't think that I would have been able to do it. Like, I think I would have just felt lost. And so like before I left, I've built much more strength in my relationship with Jesus. And then since I left, it's been unbelievable how much he's blessed me and guided me along the way. And it's just, I think it's hard for kids to feel safe when their parents are in chaos if they can't access Jesus and what he brings to the soul. Yeah. Then what do you do with the kids that don't have that faith? Most of the time, I'm, yeah. Because we do. Yeah. We work with them and they can yeah. have hope. And- change can happen most of the time i'm trying to help them just i'm trying to do the clinical thing really help them tolerate feelings build skills um desensitize desensitize that stuff if they'll let me but even if they don't let me do do trauma therapy with them like a lot of kids are very resistant to that because you're asking them to go into a negative feeling state long enough to work on it um but i feel like you know with our work, if somebody has Jesus, it makes it a whole lot easier. <laughs> if they don't, we can still make a difference. Mm-hmm. We can still bring mm-hmm. we can still bring Jesus and us to them with our gifts of healing and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Without even never saying his name. If we can't even ever say his name, we're still bringing Jesus to them. But it does make it so much easier i think if a family has faith in god and jesus as a person too not this um religion that you mentioned before where it's all about okay did i follow the rules right because if i didn't then jesus is going to be mad at me and the church is going to kick me out like when people come to therapy with that in their life i think they're they're worse off than not having Mm-hmm. faith at all and it's really sad mm-hmm. I would agree with that mm-hmm. I experienced that I would agree with that 
because there's a sense of loss and there's a sense of shame uh, to be called a lay pastor in your church for 15 years and know that you're going to be leaving mm-hmm. your husband or mm-hmm. him and outing everything that's been yeah. happening. There is a sense of with that, with that religious entity, there is a sense of like obligation mm-hmm. to stay where if there was not that entity and there not been that entity in my life, I know, I, I know mm-hmm. that I would have left. If it had just been you and Jesus, you and Jesus without that entity. Yeah. It would have been, you would have chosen the yeah. freedom yeah. probably without having to think about that dynamic at all. Yeah. Because when I left, it was just me and Jesus. Yeah. I wasn't part of a church at that time. Um, I had been, but there were some things that went down in that church. And so we parted ways with that church, and it got so chaotic in the home that we didn't end up finding another one. We couldn't agree on supper, let alone you know find a new church. Mm-hmm. But so when I left, <laughs> when I left, I had it was just me and Jesus. I didn't have a, a church that I belonged to at the time. I still had some associations with the past, mm-hmm. like my friends at the church. I still do, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, like, I wasn't yeah. like a leader yeah, there. I, I wasn't doing children's ministry anymore. Or being looked at as all oh, that counselor that just left her husband. Like it, I didn't have to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. And being a therapist in the field. I think we should do a future topic on that. Why, why do therapists end up with narcissists? Because they're so that Yeah, I've mm-hmm. thought of that too. I have thought about that too. I feel like that's a common. When I was saying that before, that um, it's also not common for you to, for to Brody, it's not common for you to have a mom's mm-hmm. therapist to talk to about these things. I started thinking, you know, actually there are a lot of narcissists mm-hmm. that have with therapists. I think so too. And we'll, we'll over-function like crazy in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Trying to figure it out. Trying to intellectualize. Trying to mm-hmm. explain it away. Trying to just over it so that we can understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that earlier before we got on. We should, we should think about that as a future topic. <laughs> yeah. Flight, fight, flight, fight, fall, mm-hmm. and freeze. And like we could interview three or four other kids, and their stuff might look different, but his is very typical of what you see in, in kids his age, you know. And I would I would say like I did a um, podcast with Hawkins one Dr. Hawkins one time where we talked some stuff about kids, and I was using examples of one kid might do this, one kid might do that, another kid might do the the other thing. And I was using my kids as examples, but I didn't say that they were my kids. (laughs) But like every one of them Mm -hmm. had sort of a different response to it. So it's... They kind of fit all the mm -hmm. categories. But... How do you see fight show up? Oh, my son... 
My son was very defiant. Like he was extremely defiant. Um, I've seen kids that just start lashing out physically. Up there we go. Sorry about that. I might be mine. There we go. It might be mine. Yours. No, it's my internet. Uh, I think it's because oh. I already just jumped off the inter- on the internet. Your son, your son was very yeah, defiant. very defiant. Is that what very you like mouthy, like very very uh, disrespectful. Um, my youngest had a bunch of tantrums. Like I was seeing tantrums with her, where she just lash out and start hitting everybody. Um, I think that's Geo's. I mm-hmm. think Geo's a fight. I wonder what that is. My middle one, my middle one says, just keep the peace. Please don't, please don't, um, like, please don't do that boundary. Like basically is what she's saying. Oftentimes, please don't do that boundary. You're just going to cause problems if you do that. Like there's a lot of fun with her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think creates the fight? The fighting kid. Like, Giovanni definitely took mm-hmm. the brunt of the abuse. There was an event that happened with 15 macaroon cookies that, for me, was mm-hmm. the end of it for yeah. Gio. He took the brunt of all of it. Now he's yeah. in therapy for it. But mm-hmm. he's a fighter. Maybe that's why. Like, he, he, was, he wasn't going to take mm-hmm. it. He's the I fighter. think a lot of it's just internal, like, who they are in the first place. And then also, like, how they respond to stress. I'm not. I'm not too terribly mm-hmm. sad to see fight. I'd rather see. Fight. Yeah. No, I'm not either. Like it's inconvenient as a parent when you're trying to yeah. like just survive. Because <laughs> that was that was kind of the thing. Like yeah. it was very disruptive when I'm trying to sit there and fawn <laughs> in this relationship, and then I've got one that's creating a big scene in the home that's going to create more chaos. So I would try to like. Mm-hmm. Manage both parties at one time. Yep. Yep. That's a boundary. That's healthy. Yeah. To do that. Yeah, he wouldn't. yeah and there's definitely been a change with Gio too like he's he's still 
Theo has kind of turned inward. Like, he'll say things like, I hate myself, which is when I started getting him into therapy, was when he started saying, I hate myself. But he's not a fighter anymore. Uh, He's not really, I mean, he'll be a little bit of everything at times, I would say. But it's definitely decreased. The amount of times that I see the fight, fight, the fight, flight, fawn, and freeze in him has definitely decreased. He's happy and at peace and asked my partner tonight if he could if he could have two dads and call him Maddie Daddy because his name is Matt. Yeah. Yep. And he has a respect for Matt. Like he listens to Matt. And I think it's because Matt is right there saying to him, like understanding him. Like he doesn't tolerate his bad behavior, his unhealthy behavior. He doesn't tolerate it. And also he expresses that he hears him and understands why he is doing what he's doing and what his needs are. So that is that def- that defiance dissipates because of that under that hearing because he hears them. Yeah. It's it's a lot harder it's a lot harder to crawl out of that hole than it is to crawl out of the hole of fighting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they have to be willing to sit in that negative feeling and negative emotion and know that they're safe while sitting in it, which is part of it. Yeah. Well, we could call it a day. It's been an hour and a half. Yeah, I know. I really enjoy this. I've been uh, sad that I didn't put one out last Thursday. But I was like, we have to have Brody be a part of this. And we have to make this happen. And I don't want to put anything out until we do this. Because it's important. Mhm. Yep, he is. He's a good co-host. When he when he said to me, "Mom, second it what 
isn't the church supposed to be a union of people? Isn't that what the church is? Yeah, Brody, that's what a church is. And so if you're a union of people that take care of each other and that support each other, then why would you as a union of supportive, caring people allow another person to abuse another person? It was when he said that that I was like, you can be my co-host because you understand what secondary abuse is. That is, de- that is by definition, like that's the secondary abuses within the church. You get to be my co-host. He asked me if he could be my co-host. Sure, Brody. You can. <laughs> All right. Where are you? You're on your own now. Mhm. 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 Somebody in. Yep. Huh. Yeah. diversify like diversify your methods of helping other people what is the what is the name of your practice and where is it located 
<laughs> you have an email address. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, are, do, do you do in office at all, or are you only telehealth? You have an office in Raleigh. Okay. Yeah, I feel like me and Brody saw you on Saturday mornings a couple of times. It's a convenient day. Yeah. Okay. Well, and it doesn't burn you out as quick if you're doing EMDR because there's like there's a structure. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're better. That's how it was for. <laughs> yeah, it's different. It's different. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this with me. Yeah, we'll have to do it again. You're like a child expert of narcissistic abuse. Yeah, like, doesn't get any better than that. I know the right people. Mm -hmm. It could, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I did not ever think that I could be this happy. And I was so dumb. I'm not dumb, but just like stuck in muddy waters. Like, yeah, I. Yeah, I felt like it was my responsibility to fix it. Yeah. I let that, I let that go. 
Dr. Hawkins said. Amber, you kick him out today. He's a grown-ass man. He'll figure it out. <laughs> I just had to hear that. Yeah. I had a client. I had a client a few years ago who I, I don't meet with clients except for two. And I don't tell, I don't tell people that I meet with clients, but now I just did. I meet with two clients. So this client told me, this client told me a few years ago when she left her husband, she said, and she knows this, and I've told her that she's an inspiration to me. She said to me, the Lord showed me that I was getting in his way of John Doe's recovery and that I needed to leave him in order for him to do his work. And it kind of made my head tilt a little, like, huh. but it stuck with me and it stuck with me in a very powerful way. And I use that as part of my motivation to leave. Like I clearly, I clearly can't do this and it's not my responsibility to either. So bye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We got our kids out of it, but and that's enough. That was enough. We'll leave the rest. <laughs> All right. Uh, you probably need to go to bed. It's later.